What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 20 of the Kind of Funny Games cast. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside he only does everything, Colin Moriarty. It's good to be here for you, uh, or with you, not for you. I'm really tired. Why are you so tired? It's just been a long week. Yesterday was Ugh. a day that was exhausting for me, I think, and so I... Sure, I, you I ran didn't... a marathon. Yeah, of course, it's Kind of Funny Live week. You might be wondering, where is the Pure One Tim Gettys? Did he finally croak? No. Still alive, still kicking, still with his girlfriend. Uh, he's getting ready for Kind of Funny Live. He's editing videos, doing all these different things. Of course, Kind of Funny Live, Colin, mm. here in San Francisco, mm. two days from now, Saturday. Mm. It'll be mm. the past, most likely for you. What is what is Kevin pointing at? You're excited about Kind of Funny Live? I'm good. What is Kevin pointing at? I don't know why. He pointed at the guy. He's like Sabu all of a sudden. He, he pointed at the guy. God or whatever. Jesus. Two, two days till Kind of Funny Live here in San Francisco. 400 fans from around the world coming to watch whatever the hell we're going to do. Uh, last night... Of course, Justin came by. Justin, uh, a fan off mm -hmm. Patreon who had bought your sauce. Mm -hmm. You you made the sauce for him. I did. Yeah, it was just a crazy day yesterday, and so we were just running around. We did a podcast. We did a bunch of sh you know other things. The live show had to set everything up, whatever. And then I, I just woke up like twenty minutes ago. Yeah, but I'm spry. I'll tell you what. I'm I'm ready. You sound to go. like you smoked a pack and a half. Last yeah. Night. Oh, I did. Yeah, I yeah. did. No, I didn't. So I don't smoke cigarettes. But here's the thing, Greg. Here it is. You, by the way, you can smoke cigarettes if you like to smoke cigarettes. I don't want to judge you if you smoke cigarettes. I smoke, you were just saying I for smoke cigars. Yeah, you smoke a good cigar once in a while. Uh, but I don't smoke cigarettes. But uh, I'm just I'm quite tired, and I don't understand why I sound like I smoked a pack and a half of cigarettes. It's just tired. When you're worn out like that, you get sound like that. Uh, I feel like I got a good night's sleep. Do you have allergies? I don't. Okay. Not that I know of. Yeah. Those what? things do develop later in life sometimes. See, when I moved here, I, got, I started up with allergies, and it's been bad for me this year, where I've been popping uh, Allegra's all left and right, or maybe Claritin's, whichever. You don't even know what you're taking. I just take, Christine's like, Here, here's a white pill, and I wake up three days later, and my pants are undone. I'm like, that was weird. Wow, that's fucked up. Well, I mean, I imagine three days, I'm taking my pants off somewhere. Maybe. You don't know. How would you How do you go to the bathroom? Catheter? How do you go to the bathroom, ladies and gentlemen? How does Portillo go to the bathroom? Take him outside. Poops and peas. Laundry lady came today. She beat me here before I was able to take Portillo outside. So then I, she, she likes to she likes to pet the, the, the Portillo. So I was like, hold on. We'll go outside. And she pet him outside and did the baby talk. He didn't pee at all. He was a real he waited till he, got, he waited until he got to a tree because he's a good little boy. Well, he wasn't a good little boy when the Axiom Verge guys were here. You know, that's... Peeing all over the goddamn that's place. That's Tom and Dan's own fault. They should have known better. Portillo, don't look at me. Don't look at me, Portillo. Look at him, Portillo. I don't want to. I don't want you to look at me. I don't want you to stare at look me. At him. He actually looked away. Yeah. He just looks down at the Superman. I don't thing. want you to throw one of your hexes and one of your jinxes at me. You one weird motherfucker. <laughs> he's, <laughs> a, he's a dog witch. <laughs> he's just putting curses and weird things yeah. on you. Doing dog voodoo. He's got a little voodoo doll of me. We know when he play, goes and plays with his little toys. When he's squeaking, it's yeah, you. It's just me. Yeah. No, and then I start having stomach pains. And... <gasps> Portillo, no. Your head's all slobbery. Yeah, for, yeah. He feels like it's slobbery for no reason. Uh, all right, so Tim's gone. Yes. It means we can do whatever we want. Yep. We went to the community for the topics. Taking it over. So we can get some good stuff here instead of sure. this usual Tim crap of like, hey, what do you think of the 3DS library? I'm like, I don't, oh, it's incredible. I got it's nothing incredible. to say. It's arguably the greatest of all libraries. Of all the handheld libraries. I was gonna say we were gonna, I was gonna try to get you to quietly look over at Kevin because he was in a, he was in a conundrum there. He can't be on camera. He was trying to get something out of the desk drawer, but all the poster tubes are blocking the drawer. Are you gonna write on notes on that? That's probably not a good idea. You probably should get a notebook of some sort. Yeah. Get a, get, go, go in there. Just push the push the things out of the way. I, I think I moved that notebook. I feel like, you, there, I, have like I, I see a notebook. Notebooks. I see a notebook. I have like three hundred notebooks in there. You're like I feel like I'm Greg. Like, if you go to the second drawer there, Colin, in the green thing, there's plenty of notebooks. I feel like if you write on that. What is that? Yeah, was it? It looked like a course catalog. Are you taking college classes? No, Are you trying to get out of here? No, I no. This is not you, him. No, but I know. But what he was about to write on was the instruction manual for that board. I think no, it's the catalog. They're trying to sell us more shit. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. All right, okay. you could have written on that. That would have been all right. I, I, I feel I, like because I feel like you might have been full of regret. Maybe even right afterwards. If you, you didn't notice, that thing for years. Kind of funny, Gamescast fans. It sounds better today. We have a much fancier board now. That's canceling out table noises and all these. It's different incredible. Things. It's, it looks like the Starship Enterprise. I'm going to fucking play with that thing so much when you guys aren't here. I'm going to fuck with so many buttons and touch knobs and switches. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, knob switch, our favorite game. Yeah. Please, Lord, have it all. Because if you change one of the saved settings... Wait, so if... Well, I'm being serious. If I shut the thing off and then I start fucking with shit, it won't matter. If it's off and you press buttons and flips knobs, it won't matter. Oh, that's awesome. It's all digital. But I'm remember... going to come in here in the middle of the night. But no, no the looking. knobs have to go back to where they were, right? No, they don't. What about the sliders? They move on their own? They move on their no own. fucking way. Yeah, I press a button and it switches. I for the record, know. this is why we can't afford healthcare for you, but it's awesome. <laughs> just to let you know, just so you're all excited about the knobs moving on their own. You gotta Heads be excited up. about something. It's fucking worth it. Don't get sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kevin you keep saying, saying that. You keep tempting fate. I think it's a very, it's a very poor. It, idea. You've never gotten sick. Maybe a couple times, but it was bad stuff. 
tough stuff. Like real, like real like, sicknesses. Killed a normal man. Wow. For sure. That's impressive. What'd you have? Bronchitis. Ebola. 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 Yeah. Huh. I was gonna say something maybe more like tuberculosis or something like that. Oh. Yeah, that too. Typhoid. 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 Kevin <laughs> walking around. Dysentery. Coughing. You have dysentery. No. Are you sure? So Colin. No, I'm classy. I'll Okay. I have four questions here for four topics. Okay. If topics go short, we can pepper in other ones. But the, the highlighted ones are the ones we're going to do. So I'm going to give you the names of the question submitter. Okay. You choose the first topic. Mm. We have George, mm. Cameron, mm. Kind of Funny, Kevin Bacon, and Scott. Cameron. Alphabetical order. Cameron says 16 minutes ago. When you copied it. Yeah. I would love for you guys to talk about the division. Do you think it will be another destiny? Now, this is an interesting topic. I, I like the topic and the fact of, do you think it'll be another Destiny? Mm. What is Destiny to you, Cameron? Does he mean, will it be a super successful game? Where people are hooked on it and playing yeah, it forever, but not really probably, liking it? I think that's probably what... No, well, yeah, I think it, it probably doesn't necessarily mean that last part, but more of a game of... So you think Cameron means it in, the, in a very positive way? Yeah, the division looks like it's going to be way better than Destiny. So it, it, it's... It, it, I'm not, I don't think it's going to be, you know... I played Destiny five, six, seven hours. It, to me, it, it came off as a very sterile shooter. Sure. Um, it's because I don't play with other people. I not acknowledge I'm probably not playing it, quote unquote, the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was something that didn't, you know, I know people, you should have been able to play Destiny by yourself. And I, I, I think that there's a way for you to do that effectively, but it didn't seem like it was very fun. I found myself going to the same maps, fighting the same enemies in the same places. You'd yeah, walk away Destiny. from that. You'd walk away from the place on the map and go back and they'd still be, they'd be there again. They just respawn. Yep. Yep, like yep, there was yep, a monster yep, yep. closet there. Um, no, I think he probably means, will it be, you know, a game that has, long-term ramifications for its publisher in terms of mm. you know putting dlc out and all those kinds of things that's my assumption is what he means yeah. and you think it will be no okay i think the division is very different game than destiny i don't think yeah. you compare those two games at all i think that destiny is gonna be a more it's squad based so I, I i i and it's not an mmo and it's not loot based i don't think random not that we've seen yeah right. so I, that's I, my whole thing like you're so quick to say that you know the division looks way better than destiny i don't feel like we've seen enough of the division not that i'm willing to say you're wrong i i do think personally what we've seen of the division it looks like a better game mm-hmm. like in terms of like just alone visual stylings uh what you're doing squad the way the squad works but i don't know if it's fair to compare the vertical slice we saw two years ago to what destiny is right now right yeah what that's it true is. i just think to me it looks like a meaty shooting or rpg shooter yeah and that's not what destiny is sure destiny has a level system that doesn't really make any sense to anyone emotes alike come on and and it it, it seems it just seems like a more granular game it seems like frankly the division is just a more going to be a more hardcore game than than than, uh, than that's Destiny. interesting so what do you now what are you there to, so you're saying more hardcore game you mean more hardcore in and it's systems okay, okay. yeah I, I, I'm not saying hardcore people Destiny is not played by hardcore people of course it is I mean that's why it exists yeah Alfredo's put how many or Destin's put how many hundreds of hours into it right. Fran and stuff but I think Destiny gun. is going to be ultimately going to be an easier game to wrap your head around and an easier game to understand why there's a um, a gravity toward you know towards sure. playing it over and over again well I think the division is going to be a more structural role playing game I mean, that's always the vibe I've gotten from the game. That's why I'm excited about it. Yeah. Of course, the setting's like really cool, and the story is really cool, and all that. Um, and the Tom Clancy vibe, of course, in a lot of games is cool. But um, even though Tom Clancy has nothing to do with this, and obviously is deceased, R.I.P. Tom Clancy. What up? Um, but am I pointing to kind of funny live or Tom Clancy? We'll never know. We don't know if Tom Clancy's uh, up there okay. with God. Let's not go that way. Why? What do you mean? I don't know if he's up there with God. I don't. I don't how I don't am know. I? How would I know that? Because the normal people are going to think you think you're saying he might be in hell. Why would I, I'm a huge Tom Clancy fan. Why would I assume that? I don't know. Him? Why would you throw that out there? Maybe Tom Clancy's widow and or children are watching right now. They didn't need to be reminded of that. I don't think that they They are. liked the Sabu reference, and now you're, ta- you're making one, it weird. One of my favorite pieces of fiction is Red Storm Rising. Yeah? But, Did you ever hear the song Mojo Rising by The Doors? Uh, I know The Doors. I don't know if I know that particular Mojo song. Mojo Rising. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a great rendition. Thank you, Greg, for that. Nailed it. Copyright strike. Uh, yeah, we're gonna get a copyright check for that. Uh, no, so I, I think that that's just where I stand on that. I, I think that I think people are gonna play Destiny for years. It, it would be easy to assume that if the division really did come out Q1 2016, which is what they're aiming for now, um, that people will still be playing Destiny in greater numbers than they're playing the division after a few months of the division being out. So, right. so it's it's the, not the it's, division seems like it's going to end. You're yeah. going to get to at the end of the game and it's over. Not whereas Destiny is like the constant loot treadmill, right? Of exactly. oh, I got to keep going to keep my level up, get through these dailies, so I have all this, so I can buy the next piece of armor when the next DLC drops. Sounds that thrilling. <laughs> um, MMOs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think Destiny's got you know obviously got legs for forever. Okay. Um, well, not forever, but for a long time. Yeah. I think the division will come out. People will like it. 
it'll do fine and then it'll just disappear and you'll probably get a sequel. Yeah, I was going to say, I remember yesterday on Colin McGregor Live, we were talking about UB was saying that they see it as a new franchise. They're already calling it a franchise. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're committed to doing more, but that's Ubisoft, I guess, in general. Yeah, they've worked on this engine for so long and this game has been so delayed that they bet they probably look at it as it's like the it's like watchdogs where i'm surprised they just haven't shit and gotten off the pot already with the division and just been like all right we're getting it out and we'll yeah, fix yeah, it yeah. later i mean that's kind of what they did with watchdogs i mean watchdogs was i played watchdogs for a few hours and i'm like no no thanks I, yeah i was like i, see <laughs> where, I was like I, was, I see where this is going i'm good you know what i mean yeah I, I, to me I, i'm way more interested in what the sequel does nice yeah, idea again ubisoft's from, a good i think ubisoft still got its groundedness unlike some other big publishers yeah it might be losing it but it seems like you would assume that, and I don't want to make. I don't necessarily want to make assumptions like this, but you would assume that it takes a lot of restraint to say like the division's coming out this year, and like regardless of when it's like we right. need to get it out, and uh, they're not doing that. And so, but they also don't have to do that. You know, they have Assassin's Creed this fall. Yeah. Um, isn't uh, Rainbow Six this fall too? Is it? Is there, or is I that thought, soon? Thought, was, wasn't it? I thought it was on the. Uh, I don't know. I think it was. My assumption almost. was that that game was really far away, but Let's I guess see. it's not. Or they could be. They could be just pouring all their resources into getting that out, thinking that that's the. I mean, people were really excited about that game. With hell show. yeah, that, way that more excited than awesome. they are about the division. So maybe it just makes more sense for them to put internal resources into finishing that first, or getting that out, or getting that polished and QA'd. Um. So yeah, still saying 2015. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I have no interest in that game. Really? Yeah, it looks great. Just because it's multiplayer. Yeah, I just want to play that. For me, it looks like Left 4 Dead. You know, but I mean, Cops and Robbers Left 4 Dead, which I'm great, which I'm down for. It looks cool. Yeah. It looks great. I have, no, I have nothing against it. It's just I know that game is not going to interest me. So sure. I'm just like not sure, even sure. playing it on you my can't radar. play it by yourself. Yeah, I've still the division when I heard that you can just play it by yourself if you want was like I was like oh, that's fine, that's great. But do you think it's like a Destiny play it by yourself? I hope not. I mean, uh, I like the level progression idea and stuff like that. So ho- I want to just walk around New York City by myself and just encounter what I encounter and find what I find. Sure. I think that's way more eerie than playing with other people. It almost. The, the setting of Rainbow Six Siege or the idea behind Rainbow Six Siege makes sense with other people. To me, the division should have been designed as a single-player game. That would have been more eerie, walking around New York City in perpetual fucking Christmas decorations with a terrible Black Friday virus going around is way scarier by yourself. I have no idea why they made that. Let me tell you about a little game, game called Prototype, then. Let me tell you a little about a little game called Prototype <laughs> and Prototype 2. Platinum Prototype 2. Terrible. Oh, yeah, you did. Uh, terrible. Different kind of game. Prototype yeah, 2 know, was I awful. Know, know. That was that game sucks. It was awful. Yeah, it was awful. Game sucks. The first prototype was bad too. They were both bad. P- prototype one was worse than prototype two. Um, yeah, okay. that's true. Yeah, maybe as long I'm as we can agree backwards. on that. Yeah, let's we'll shake on it. Like Good. we're businessmen. That's what I like. We are businessmen. That's one word for it. Are you worried or do you care? I mean, the, the division. I guess for me, it's the division's delay. I thought was out of the ordinary. Right. I feel like this is getting into Watchdogs territory where I'm kind of sick of hearing about this game without just fucking having this game you know what i mean Watch Dogs was at like what two or th- two e3s was it three e3s yeah i think it was three God wasn't it like damn. the first next gen game was it was it was the first and they wouldn't say that they were like oh we can't tell what platforms it's coming to and it was like oh. um yeah i don't know i i actually feel like they haven't really talked about the division that much i think that more we in uh, yeah, the, the media and the, the press like, chamber yeah i guess we're really not the press anymore but just the the, the whatever the uh <laughs> The commentators and, 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 of course, the press, the literal press, have been talking about The Division way more than I think Ubisoft has been. Yeah. because um, And I think that's a good sign for them because people are excited about it. Because it looks fucking good. Yeah. Right. That game looks good. I'm I'm skeptical as hell about Watch Dogs 2. I don't care about Assassin's Creed. Far Cry 5 has got to be, which, which Far Cry is awesome. That's got to be really far away. So Yeah, of course. So for, for me, I'm more excited. Like, I am more excited for Watch Dogs 2 than I am The Division knowing what Watch Dogs 1 was. Because it's totally on the Assassin's Creed trajectory, right? Mm. Where the original Assassin's Creed came out, and you're like, ooh, this is half-baked, there's good stuff here, but it's just not for me. And then I thought Assassin's Creed 2 was awesome. And so like, I figured with Watch Dogs, it'll be tightened up, honed in, you're this vigilante, go have fun. Because the Watch Dogs on paper should have been a game I was totally into, right? Like, you're this vigilante around Chicago, running around, like, trying to protect things, but it just didn't work. It got boring after a while, and I wasn't into it. You know what I mean? You fix some of the mechanics, you put it back out for two, I'm great. Division, I still feel like, I know I like the idea, and the gameplay looks cool, but I'm still in this mode of, like, I just haven't played it. I th- if That feels like a game I'm going to have to need to play a mission of to be like, all right, I got it. I'm on board. Yeah, I suspect that my indifference to Grand Theft Auto V when it came out and then to Watch Dogs is just signaling a shift in my own opinions on not open world games because I love open world games, but these, like, driving around cities, doing missions, sure. kind of like, or whatever. Like, I, I, you know, it's just like, I need something more, a little more revolutionary. I feel like, I feel like the reason that Far Cry I like Far Cry so much is because it's just a different kind of shooter. I like shooters, generally. Mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. playing shooters a lot. Um, Single-player ones. 
But Far Cry is like an open world shooter. And I was like, why is and Crisis obviously was inspired by by that and stuff. But it's just like, well, why not do this more often? Like, why are we open world shooters should be done? Open yeah. lots of open world shooters. Borderlands. Yeah, Borderlands. But Borderlands is very structural. You know what I mean? Like, like I feel like I feel like that game is its own beast. I don't feel like that's really an open world shooter. So you, you, when you're defining open world shooter, you mean in the way of like Far Cry, you can just wander and not have a mission. You're going to get attacked. You're going to hunt wolves and shit like that yeah. and get pelts. Borderlands is non-linear and it is open world, but it's also like geographically based. There are load times and yep. places. Like yep, yep, It's yep, not yep. an open, it's not really an open world. Okay. Um, and I'm sure that they just couldn't get a, to run like that. I'm sure they would have loved it to have been like that. Sure. But it's not like that. Too many guns in there. It's too many gun variants. Borderlands is good. I like yeah. Borderlands. I like the idea of Borderlands. Uh, more than I actually like playing it, but um, I still want to play the pre-sequel. So here's my... Oh, it was good. I enjoyed myself a lot with that. Me and Christine had a good time with that. Here's my question for you, then. Piggybacking off what we're talking about here, what are your thoughts leading into Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain? An open-world Metal Gear, what does that do for you? Does that excite you as a different kind of third-person shooter, or does it put you off as just another open-world game? No, the mystique around Metal Gear is, I think, more exciting than the structure of it. I'm actually a little disappointed that Metal Gear is open-world, so it's it's it's... That's not really Metal Gear to me. Metal Gear is like a little bit of backtracking and a little bit of nonlinearity, but the Metal Gear games that I that resonated with me most, one and two, were not like that. So yeah, you had a I story. Don't really, you did your thing? Yeah, I feel like that's more of a react. I believe that Metal Gear Solid Five will be a great game, but um, it seems making it open world like that makes seems like a very reactionary move. Like that's not really what your game is. That's not really what your series was, and I don't understand. Not everyone has to do that to make sure. the game effective. Not everything has to be The Witcher. Like you don't have to have these sprawling open worlds. It gives you a lot of freedom and a sense of awe, which I think is cool. But Metal Gear was more about a sense of intrigue and mystery and so. It like was story based, right? It was for a long time. I mean, that's what I loved about Metal Gear One was the fact, or Metal Gear Solid, the fact that you were going through and you're trying to figure out what's happening and how do I stop this thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, as far as games coming out that day uh, in September, I'm way more excited about Mad Max than I am about Metal Gear. Mm, that's another open world one. Yeah. I mean, I, not, but I mean, like. That makes sense to me. Yeah, Avalanche There's Open n- World and then Mad Max Universe makes sense. Yeah. So, um, but no, I'm 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 interested to see. It's cool people are trying things out. It just seems like that's the zeitgeist right now. It's like open world, and these decisions were made years ago. So you can see that slowly trickling out, and then it'll. It's the same thing we were talking about some some episodes ago with player agency and stuff, where everything had to have choice in it, and you can see the legacies of Mass Effect and Fallout Three all over the place, and now it's starting to slowly wane because everyone's like, well, we don't want to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um. Tell your story, whatever. There's nothing wrong with that, but that's not what every not every game needs to yeah, have. Yeah, sure. It seems like arbitrary ass games had like these arbitrary choices. You know, it didn't even. Matter. It has to be meaningful, like, and that's the same way when you des- have design philosophies of open world. It has it can't just be an open world for the sake of being an open world. It must be a meaningful open world. I believe that Kojima made it probably a meaningful open world, mm-hmm. but I still don't feel like it feels like Metal Gear to me or sound. I had never played it sound like Metal Gear to me. On June 9th, I can tell you all about it. Right now, I can't say a goddamn word because I've played. That was a creepy, that was really not, probably almost an unnecessary face that you made, man. And hey, Tim's not here to stop us. Portilla, sick him. You're a real monster, aren't you? He, he could get there. He could get it. He can get something. He can get somebody if he had to. Saw a story on the news not too long ago about a wiener dog protecting its owner from a bear. So there you go. Got the bear distracted. Bear fucked up the wiener dog, but it was, I have no <laughs> doubt about it. But he backed off. Wiener dog had like a scar or whatever. Like you know, really, he survived. Oh yeah, he survived. Surprised the bears didn't bite him in half. Take him down right away. I don't know. It's just like when Patel comes after another dog. Dog's always bigger. Patel comes charging like a fucking insane person. The big dog's like, "What is wrong?" Backs down like, "Holy shit, dude! It wasn't a thing. Go away." That's why I won't walk for Patel. I know. I understand. Because I, I told you I don't want to be responsible for this dog being inevitably killed by another dog. I know how I'll do that one day. And when that happens, that he went out doing what he loved. The only way it could be more of what he loved is if he was eating poop while he did it. Oh, he used to love eating Chloe's poop when she lived yep. here. Oh, oh God, she yeah. loved it. He loved a good piece of cat poop. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah, that wasn't. See, that was the thing is that we we you know we used to make fun of Mike for not cleaning the litter box enough. We should have just let Portillo eat more of the shit. Sure. Natural. Mm-hmm. Nature very, selection. It's very natural. Yeah. I mean, he would have done it if if he was running around with his wiener dogs in the wild they'd be eating shit left and right they'd yeah. be probably fine yeah. I have always dreamt of seeing that just a herd of wiener dogs running through the yeah. countryside not, gonna, not, not like wild happen. I mean like at a wiener dog meetup oh, okay. get like 30 wiener dogs together and let them all run free 
I mean, the fact of the matter is that you got to this dog through a series of intentionally fucked up genetic decisions made by breeders <laughs> over hundreds of years. <laughs> I mean, that's just the that's just the reality of the situation. I know. I'm well aware. And that's he hunts badgers. Yeah, it's just uh, I'm, dog breeding is really interesting. That's enough for another time, though. Yeah, that's for a different show, probably. Yeah, too. probably not this show. All right, topic two. Mm. You can have George, kind of funny Kevin Bacon, or Scott. George. I'm putting a one here. George Barrett writes in and says, what does Zelda Wii U need to do to make you fall in love with the franchise again? Are you out of love with the Zelda franchise? Are you not in love with the Zelda no, franchise? No, I'll always be in love with there Zelda. There you go. That's what I think, too. I, yeah, I mean, like, Skyward Sword didn't do anything for me, but I loved uh, Link to the Past, or Link Between Worlds. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I still love Zelda. I still cheer for Zelda. I still want Zelda to be great. I'm not like yeah. here, being a Zelda hater. No, I, I I want Zelda to be great too. I don't think Zelda's been great in a long time, with the exception of Skyward Sword, which I can't talk about because I didn't play. I just was not going to dig out my Wii from wherever. The, I already still have no idea where my Wii is. Um, you didn't miss. I it's mean, it's somewhere. I heard that Skyward Sword was very meaty, but it, that but that was almost like a, I don't know. I'm, we're getting off track because yeah, I put maybe five hours into it, and I was just like, I'm not committing another thirty five to this. You yeah, know I heard I mean? it was like, very this long. is not what I want to do. Yeah, just. Uh, Zelda needs to not necessarily change, but do something different. The way, the way, like, and what I mean by that is, it doesn't need to be what it's not. You know, it doesn't need to be what it's not, but it needs to do something just a little bit differently. And I think that that's getting back to what it actually is, and and not try to like reinvent the wheel. The reason that people loved like Ocarina of Time was because it was Zelda. That yeah. was like what you assumed a Zelda game was. It's dungeons, it's a little bit of exploration, finding heart pieces and doing all those kinds of things. Now, all the other Zelda games after that have that, but they try to like pigeonhole, or I'm sorry, not pigeonhole, shoehorn new features into these games or make them a little different to just make them different. I feel like you could just make, Zelda's good enough structurally where you could just make minor differences, tweak the story, tweak the characters, tweak the dungeons, and kind of just release a prettier version of Zelda or a better version of Zelda over and over again. Now, that's a little hypocritical of me to say because the most different Zelda of all is Majora's Mask, and that's my favorite. But I think that that stood out because it was still Zelda. It was still a recognizable Zelda game. Link was still recognizable as Link. There was no motion controls. There was no stylus controls. There was no 40-hour campaign. All those kinds of things. And I think that when you throw those kinds of things in, it's, it, it becomes less interesting, you know? I feel like... It gets away from the core of what it is. Yeah, I feel like Zelda's a super special series, and there wasn't any bad Zelda games in the core series, unless you find kind of like CDI games and stuff like that, until, you know, until I, I think Twilight Princess. And I know people like that game, but I was like, this game kind of sucks. Like, I, I, I feel like part of it is because I had to play it on the Wii, as I've explained many times before, and, I, and that motion control sucked, and I just felt like the game was just... I was just like, this is... What is... Like, I'm, a goat's running down the hill, and I'm just trying to stop it from running, and... I'm like, what the hell is going on in this game? Like, I just want to play. Like, why can't I just hold a controller? I don't even yeah, understand, yeah. like, why they made these certain decisions, which turned me completely off to Skyward Sword. And then uh, Phantom Hourglass, I think, was there. Or was it was it Phantom Hourglass that came out first? No, Spirit Tracks came out first. Yeah. And I was I was so excited. I didn't read anything about it. I was like, you know, which is probably what, my fault. But I was like, I was so excited about it. I'm like, I don't want to know Zelda, anything. It's Zelda. Yeah, I'm like, it's excited. more Zelda on a handle. I'm like, it's going to be great. I love, you know, Link's Awakening. I love... I really love the Oracle games. Four Swords was awesome. So it's like, I picked that up and, and I played it for five minutes and I'm like, nope, nope. Like, I'm not controlling this game with a stylus. Why would you ever terrible think decision. that I want to do that? Terrible, terrible Why decision. the fuck would you ever think that I wanted to do that? Yeah. And then they released another one, same thing. Don't even bother with it. So I feel like, and Minish Cap, I think, was a step in the wrong direction too for different, Minish Cap was just a weird, kind of weird game. But So for me, Zelda was just, on the wane. Now, I agree with you that uh, A Link Between Worlds was pretty cool, but A Link Between Worlds is only to the past. So, like, it was cool in that, being in that world again and playing in that world again, but it didn't feel fresh or new at all. Sure. It felt like a really well done fan sequel, kind of. And I don't mean that as an insult saying, like, it's crude. It's not. It's just, like, that world is kind You felt of, like you had been there before. Yeah, that world is... That, that version is all this sacred, and I don't need to see that again. There's nothing revolutionary in that game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, sorry. I, I've... What about the octopuses? Yeah, whatever. Oh, you have to find them to yeah. what is it, like level up or something like that? Yeah, it's like I, I played that over Christmas break two years ago and I liked it a lot, but I was like, there this everyone was like making this fucking amazing. I'm like, it's just linked to the past, dude. Like it's yeah. the same world. I know what's around every fucking corner on this map. You know what I mean? Like it that's not exactly what I'm looking for. I appreciate it. And I appreciate that you're going back to 
the class, like one of the classic Zelda games, arguably for many people the best Zelda game. But um, it didn't it didn't do it for me. Yeah, yeah. So then, what do you want to see out of this Wii U version? Like you, we, we, this is you know, topic one was open world. It looks like this is an open world Zelda, right? And they yeah, talk I think, about it being Skyrimy, where you look over that hill, you can get there, you can actually go to it. I think that's what we're gonna get, and I think that that's great. Um, but again, it goes against like kind of the grain of what I was saying was I almost would, I almost wish that it was just a more structural Zelda game. Mm-hmm. I think that the Zelda game is gonna be great. I think they're taking their time. It looks awesome. It does look beautiful. Um, I have no doubt that they'll do their best to, to deliver. I think that they've the message has been delivered to them loud and clear from the fans, at least some vocal fans, that this is not, you know, Skyward Store was not what they wanted. Mm-hmm. And certainly the sales spoke to that. Skyward Store sales, considering how many weeds are out there, it was bad. It was sold like 4 million copies. It's like really not very good. Um, for a very late Wii game where there are 100 Wii's out there, 4% of your audience bought that game. Yeah. For a Zelda game. That's yeah. incredible. You know, um, considering... Half of the N64 owners bought Ocarina of Time. Literally half of them, you know? Um, so it's... it's. I think we're going to get an open world game that's inspired by Western role-playing games, but I think it'll keep the Zelda sensibilities, and I think that's fine. I I, I want them to get more back to the roots of what made these games great and the this, this sense of awe, which I think a game like an open world game like Zelda could could possibly do. Do you worry about it bogging down, though? That's my thing. It's like, I, there'll be this... It, like, let's say... I mean, we don't know much about it. Like, it's not like there's been... No, we don't know anything about it, really. It, right? So let, there's your main story quest, and then there's all these side quests. And, like, you fucking... You go into the Gorgon Cave for the first time, and they're rolling around being a bunch... They're eating rocks, being crazy motherfuckers like they are. And, like, you see... It's this huge thing, and there's lava pits, and it's beautiful, and it's, you know, stunning HD. And then you've, you're on this quest to save Zelda, and then one of them needs your help getting three pebbles for its baby, you know, baby Goron or whatever. And you have to, like, you know what I mean? Like, is that going to water it down to an extent? Yeah, maybe. I don't, I hope it doesn't take such literal inspiration from Western role-playing games because there's a place for that kind of stuff. But Zelda's not it. See, the problem with Zelda, the problem with Nintendo games generally, with the exception of maybe um, Metroid, is, and I'm not talking about every franchise, but the big franchise, is that the, the protagonists are just dudes. They're just dudes. They're just there. Quiet people. Like, so... That's like the bigger thing now. That's not really a problem in a game like Fallout Three or Skyrim because you're kind of just playing as an avatar. Of you're a making you that make. character, but, but Link is Link. So how does Link interact in a world like that where he where he's usually silent and you don't even really know him? Like that's the funny thing is that for all the Zelda games I played and I played them all with the exception of the ones we've mentioned, I have no idea who he is. You know, and he's a different character in every one of these games, but you never really get to know him. You're, he's, he's, he's a like boy your, without a fairy, man. He's like your avatar, kind of, um, but you don't even get to control what he looks like or or choices he makes. So it's, he's just going through the motions. So in a game like, in an open world game, which we assume that the Zelda Wii U game or maybe NX game will be, um, Sorry. there needs to be more. There needs to be more substance put to him, and that's actually what I'm most interested in is if they actually decide to start writing this character. No way. You know? No way. Everybody would lose their fucking mind. I think if Link awesome. comes out and talks and stuff. Yeah, yeah I don't care. But we're not the great. guy. We're not the guy buying truckloads of amiibos and fucking camping out trying to find these. No, we're not. But I would say I'm just as passionate as Zelda fan as anyone out there. You know, I wrote fa- long ass FAQs for the first three Zelda games. I have beaten all of them up to that point or whatever. I I buy them when they come out. When I was a kid, yeah, I love Zelda. You know, and uh, my passion for that for that series cannot be questioned. Um, and I wouldn't mind seeing that at all. So I don't think just because you're going out and buying amiibos or you're a current day. Wii U fan or whatever means that you have a, a greater ownership over Zelda than someone who had been I'm not saying beginning. you have a greater ownership I'm not saying they should feel like they have a greater ownership I'm thinking what Nintendo thinks yeah I Nintendo think it, is hurting right they yeah. need a success this isn't the time to roll the dice and be like well fuck we're changing everything you know about Link sure but I think here that, he is and he's voiced by Scott Porter I think that I like Scott Porter I, think, I don't think they have to voice him I think that would probably actually be a bad idea yeah. I, I, I would like the idea of not using voice acting but that's probably a weird idea too. I think that just if you're going to go in that direction of of inspire being inspired by Western games and making it a little more open and stuff, then maybe decide that you might want to write something for Link and make him a meaningful character and not just a dude with a sword and a. So what does that mean to you, writing for him? Then you're giving him dialogue give choices, him, but no VO. No, no choices. Just give him a story. Like give give him a like give him a meaningful. You know, give him dialogue. Give him something worth saying, and and give him a reason to be doing what he's doing. There's always a reason. There's a draw. And Link to the Past, he's woken up in the middle of the night. He goes to the castle. Zelda's been, you know, uh, kidnapped or whatever. I mean, but, like, that's just, that's just fucking whatever. Like, that's just the the reason to set forth the adventure. It's not really a story. Mm. And um, 
His driving force, but no real motivation. Yeah, exactly. So, like, make him a character of substance. I mean, when I think about the when I think about Wind Waker, which I think is a great game, um, that was really an attempt to do an open world kind of Zelda game too, and in a different kind of way, in a way that frustrated a lot of people actually. But I love the sailing. Yeah, I did too. But you could go in different directions to do different things and stuff like that in the game, and find you know this is a story, but you can go find a heart piece or whatever. sure, sure, sure. So it you know, but even in that game, it's like again, it's just it's just a different looking link. That says yeah. nothing. You know? See, and that, for me, that, like, I still love Zelda. Always will. But and this is something I know you and I don't agree with. Because you were on a Zelda podcast, right? Talking about Midoriya's yeah. Mask. And I got to listen into a little bit of it. For me, it was one of the things of, I love ocarina of time that's my favorite zelda but i love majora's mask just a little bit you know less you know I mean, if i'm ranking them it's one and two and what i loved about majora's mask was the continuation of that character of link i miss there being a continuity to link i didn't wind waker i fucking loved at the time even i know you you, you hang out with revisionists i you can talk to any of the college friends they know how much i loved it but for me it was a bummer to start that and then be like telling this the legend of the hero of time and then you're not that one but you get his tune it's like uh, and then that keeps going and every zelda is like this hard reset hard reset hard re- and i'm like just okay can we just let's get a zelda let's get a link let's get a universe i like and let me continue to do different things and i feel like that's where they get hung up and why the story never progresses is because every time they're like well we're, t- we're doing this again, so it's got to be Link saving Zelda. There's got to be this dynamic of this princess thing or whatever, da da da. And that's where we keep getting fucking spinning our wheels because it's always like the next one. I feel like they're, somebody's thinking we'll push it, but they never do. They just go in a different direction. Yeah, I mean, there's a cleverness to it in the sense that the, their resetting doesn't tie them to anything. Like there's a there is a lore to Zelda and an order to the games that I think was done afterwards. Same thing with Castlevania. Like it started at a certain time, and then a bit later on, you can figure out that there's actually, you know. Castlevania 3 takes place, you know, before Castlevania and all that, you know. But that's stuff that, that that's, like, figured out later. Like, you make your game first, and then you kind of, like, figure out if there's going to be a lore in a universe or whatever. Sure, and, sure, and sure. by not making a con- continuous real universe, with the exception of, with really a couple of exceptions, um, they're not tied to anything, which I think is clever and makes, and frees them up. Especially with Majora's Mask uh, being somewhat of a continuation of Link to the Past in a different world or whatever. Or, I'm sorry, uh, over time, time in a different world or whatever. Well, that, that game was made in, like, a year. So it's like it's like not it, there's like wasn't really it's so funny that that game ended up being so good because it was made in no time. Same thing with Mega Man Three. It's like well, this game's awesome and they made it in like no time. Um, so yeah, I I think that maybe now is the place where you start with what you're talking about. Make a make a game that that's more meaningful. Zelda, unlike Metroid, I think is Metroid is is largely irrelevant to a, a large audience. We've yeah. talked about that in the past. The game the games do not sell and we love them, but. Or I do anyway, but no one really cares about those games. And those games are story driven, and they are con- there is a continuity between them and a you know an order that the games take place in. And Samus is the same character, and all these kinds yeah, of yeah. things. Um, and she does have feelings and emotions, and you do hear from her on occasion. Um, I saw the baby Metroid, <laughs> but I didn't know. <laughs> uh, but that doesn't resonate with a big audience, and Nintendo's probably looking at that, being like, "Well, our 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 serialized game is not." That big. Yeah, but this and, is damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? Because you're sitting here saying you don't really know Link, and I think it's because they re-fucking boot Link every time. You know what I mean? Now, granted, they need to hit Link out of the park. Maybe, you know, they hit him out of the park on Wii U. Everybody's like, we love this version of Link, and then they're like, all right, fine, this is the, we'll make a sequel to this. That would make sense. But I don't even feel like they're giving it a shot. Yeah, but what, I, I, I don't understand that argument in the sense that if, if it was the same Link in all the Zelda games, so it's what? Not, but it's not the same Link in all the Zelda games. I'm talking about just one-to-one, one, uh, to tell me something different, to do something different. No, I, I understand what you're saying, but I'm saying like even if it was, like even if there was just complete continuity in the Zelda games, it doesn't matter because he doesn't fucking say anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just the same story over and over again. You know, and to me, like my favorite Zelda games are Zelda 2 and, and Majora's Mask because they are really different games. Right. You know, um... But they they retain the spirit of Zelda. I felt like even Zelda 2, and I, I don't know if a lot of our younger viewers have played it, Zelda 2 is a radically different game. Zelda 2 is the most different Zelda game in existence. You know, again, unless you're talking about like the really obscure Zelda games that you've never played, you know, that you have no access to and you've and people talk about on forums like they've played them. But they yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, that game is radically different, but it felt... Like a Zelda game, it had the spirit of a Zelda game, even though the original Link, you know, original Zelda, which is an open world game. Miraculously enough, it's like very full circle. That is an open world game, um, and you can go in different orders and do all these kinds of things. I fucking love that game too. That game's special. Um, you know, 
they, these games that tried to do different things still felt Zelda like, and so by the time you got to the games that I, I felt like, I felt like Twilight Princess didn't feel like a Zelda game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I felt like it felt like just some boring fucking gray monotonous. You're Wolfman. It's like, what is this game? And then with Skyward Sword, I, I look at it, and I, I read about it, and I watch the videos, and I'm like, I don't, I don't even know what the hell this is. Yeah. I appreciate that you're trying to do something different. It just doesn't appeal to me. And again, being turned off by the DS games, I think turned me off to Zelda generally. But I would love Zelda to have a return to form because some of the best games of all time come from that series, and you can't really question it. So. Um, take your time. Make the game. You know, make the game that they want to make. I hope. I know they are. I think there's a lot of conspiracy theories about why they're delaying it. I'm not so sure those conspiracy theories hold water. But what are some of the theories? Know. Oh, for NX. Yeah, specifically that they're holding it because they're trying to make. They're trying to do what they did with Twilight Princess, which was make it a dual, like a probably a game that's on two systems. Yeah. Um, which is exactly what they did with Twilight Princess. I mean, that was the GameCube swan song, uh, but also the Wii's like coming up to life, kind of. You know, what was already. People liked it already, but you understand what I'm saying. I understand. That was the hardcore game. That was the one where you, this is what you've been waiting for. Yeah, exactly. Like, just like we had, you know, when GameCube launched and you got, you know, Luigi's Mansion, but then you got Smash Brothers a little bit later, and that yeah. was really the killer app for that game, or for that system. Um, Twilight Princess was a Wii launch title, right? Um, I thought I brought that home with Wii Sports. Yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. was. I think it was, yeah. Yeah. And a very limited run on GameCube that fall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's I, what fucked I, you I was over. So fucking pissed, dude. I should. I don't know why I just didn't reserve it. it my, the funny thing is, is that my that's like a really like a meaningful ch- moment of change in my life where I my opinion on Zelda and that game might be totally different if I played it on GameCube. Yeah, but I didn't. And so I played the inverted fucking version of it where you have to waggle your Wiimote, and yeah. that's my impression of that game forever. Now, you know, my thing with Twilight Princess is I don't. What's weird about it is I don't have a strong opinion about it. I played it with the Wii. I remember Fringe Fingers being the boss. I remember t- turning into a wolf here and there, and that's it. Like I beat that game, and like that was so weird to go from. Uh, you know, my introduction to Zelda was N sixty four Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, Wind Waker, and then we get here, and it's like this game that I have no. Like I mean, I have so many clear memories of those first three games and how amazing they were and what they did differently and what I I was blown away. And dungeons where I was stuck or whatever, right? And then you get to Twilight Princess, and it's just a game that I played and was done with. I think a lot of people felt that way about it. Yeah. And that's sad. I mean, I remember getting it and printing out FAQs and like getting, because I wanted all the heart pieces and stuff. And I'm like, I really don't have time to dick around with this game. Like, I just want to find everything and complete it. And I was just like, this is so boring. And it was the first time, it was the first Zelda game that I had approached at, up to that point that I didn't beat or get anywhere near. And I'm like, I can't play this game. I don't want to play this game. I can't. I was almost, uh, I remember being almost offended by it. And the only thing I remember about it, literally the only thing I remember about it now is that goat scene early on in the game. I'm like, yeah. what the fuck is this? You know, like, I don't know, like, why that resonated with me in such a negative way where I'm like, what is this? Like, why am I, pl- what is this game? Who is this Link? What is this world? <laughs> Who is this man? And I got, you know, quite a ways into it, and I was just like, I can't play this. I, I, I just had to accept it. Like, I, and that was really when I started to kind of fall out of love with Nintendo a little bit where I was just like I can't I don't know it's just this isn't I'm I don't know what it is about this company I don't know what it is about the system I don't know what it is about this game I don't like any of it yeah you know and it was shocking to me especially being such a GameCube apologist man like oh my god I was the worst with that shit so I loved that system GameCube I loved the GameCube I loved it and it had a great library Really, one of the, I, I really think we make fun of the 3DS's vaunted library of games but um, the GameCube really did have an awesome library of games uh exclusives and obviously third party games or games that would turn into third party games like Resident Evil for instance yeah or well he, he would chainsaw his head off yeah, if that game yeah, came anywhere else uh, so it was just such a it was such a it was such a change and Zelda almost is mapped to that change to me mm. um, interesting that there's like that clear delineation that's, yeah, well, that's where things Twilight change. Princess was really the first game where I was like yeah this isn't this isn't for me anymore this whole this whole thing is ecosystem because Galaxy was the one that came out because Super Mario Galaxy is just an extraordinary game. Um, that game's a ten if you want to put a score. I mean, easily. Uh, and that was like really the last time I played a Nintendo game where I'm like, yeah, you guys like still have it. You really yeah. still have it. Um, ever since then, whenever I've dabbled with their games, they just didn't feel right or whatever. I just have lost interest. Even 3D World? Did you play? We, uh, we did some Let's Plays back in the day of that. Yeah, I I like so I liked. New Super Mario Brothers Wii U or Wii. New Super Mario Brothers Wii, the one that came in the red case. Yeah. That was a good game. Um, that came out later. That was like 2009 or 2010, I think. And then the I don't like the games that are 2.5D or even have depth of field. And that's why, like, so I I just want to, it's the same reason why I can't play Little Big Planet. Like, I fucking hate Little Big Planet. Yeah. You know, it's just like there's like 
But this is even worse because you really are like I just don't understand. Like, just make your game a 3D game or make your game a 2D game and just be done with it. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't understand this like half step shit at all. Or like this kind of weirdness to it. That game put a smile. Those games can put a smile on my face and I enjoyed playing them, but it's not what I'm looking for. Sure. I remember when I got a DS and I played New Super Mario Brothers for the first time. I'm like, wow, this is fucking awesome. Make these all the time. Make this constantly. Yeah. yeah. And I'll play the I'll eat this shit up. And then they and they they did that with the Wii version and I was like, Yeah, this is great. Yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> But I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Just turn more into a thing about Nintendo. But yeah, in terms of the Zelda game. For Zelda Wii U, yeah, I want big sweeping worlds. I want it to be open world. I don't want dumb quests, but I want cool quests, if that makes sense. I they're clever. I mean they they know I think that I think they know what they're doing. You know. I, I do believe that they know what they're doing. And I don't think they've ever made a bad Zelda game. I think that they just have made Zelda games that aren't for me. And I don't know who they're for, some of these games. Sure. But um, I don't think that they're literally bad. So I think even if you get like an open world like uh, facsimile Zelda game of something that looks like it's Skyrim or something, I think you'll have it'll still hopefully have those Zelda sensibilities. And if they don't, they're just going to continue to see the Zelda series become more relevant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also sadly want, enough, I also want a lot of gamepad shit. Don't make me blow on it or draw anything or fucking. Let me play with the Pro Controller. That's the real thing. They're going to make you. They're going to put the inventory on that screen, motherfucker. And I think that that makes sense. That's fine with me. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. That controller is garbage. Uh, yeah. Garbage controller. <laughs> now, Colin. Yeah. For topic three. Kind of funny Kevin Bacon or Scott. Kind of funny Kevin Bacon. Kind of. Did we authorize the use of kind of funny in this name? Who is this person? This is Kevin kind of funny Bacon. I believe it's Kevin Bacon. Oh, it's Kevin Bacon himself. Yeah. yeah. Kevin Bacon. Kevin kind of funny Bacon. He says, if VR... Would ever get to a point where it literally feels like you're in that world? What games would you want to play? You can put on this VR headset, Colin. You are transported anywhere. I can give you some if you want. Okay. Obviously, I want to go to Metropolis. I want to play a Superman game of some kind. Maybe, I'll, maybe since it's so hard to, I really can't make a good Superman game. Let me be the supervillain in first person running around. Let, let this could be even one of those dumb interactive experiences where I I could just watch Superman fight doomsday in first person and run around and go in buildings and do different stuff like that the game i wouldn't mind playing in, in vr if everything works and is amazing a bioshock go back to rapture go to go underwater and be in you know bioshock have the guns have my own fucking powers and shit plasmids plasmids is they're called uh yes i i think um i don't know i mean i still think that the most resonant experience of me with vr so far is still eve valkyrie so like you know playing being like a fighter pilot or um, a space, you know, or in space, like to so get a Star Wars Battlefront yeah. or whatever. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that that would be really cool. I don't know that there's like specific worlds necessarily that I want to see in VR because I feel like some of these worlds are best seen on a TV screen or in a book or in a movie. Sure. Like, I don't know that VR is the cure all for immersion in every instance. Would it be cool to go to Rapture? Absolutely, it'd be cool to go to Rapture, but. Um, I don't know. I think survival horror could benefit a great deal from this mm, kind of VR. Mm. So, like a game like Dead Space being on the Ishimura would be pretty cool. Um, because those games are frightening, and, yeah. and uh, well, at least the first one wasn't. So, I, I think that um, that would be pretty interesting. And obviously, I mean, for my more fanboy kind of sensibilities, just playing a Mega Man game or a Castlevania game, and in, in that in first person, yeah, you get the blaster on your arm, yeah. So, like, like a Metroid Prime kind of thing. Yeah, I wouldn't want to play like a Mega Man. You know, you won't be able to play a side scroll, but more the Mega Man. You're just like sitting there staring at Mega Man going side. You like walk around, and he's just on this like little one block thing running. Well, we've always talked about how I've always wanted to reboot Mega Man if I was given the option to reboot it as an open world game. And uh, like we're in your city or Megalopolis or whatever, the city. 20XX. Yeah, and, and like be able to do that. So that would be pretty cool, like a more gritty Mega Man, like a realistic Mega Man. Um, and the same thing with Castlevania would be, you know, just the gothic kind of aesthetic to the game it's very similar to you know bloodborne i think resonated with me on an aesthetic level so much because it looked like castlevania mm, um mm. and people were saying and i think I, I was saying it too on twitter like man like from software could really do something special with castlevania just looking at this game like this felt like more of a castlevania game than what fucking mercury steam did for sure <laughs> um so being in that kind of gothic you know open world uh would be pretty cool too but I'm not sure that there's like specific things that I'd want to necessarily visit. I want what I want is for people to, or developers to create the, the the games that they want to create and convince me that they're worth playing in VR. You know, as opposed to like taking experiences that already exist and pigeonholing them into, into you know now being a VR kind of experience. It doesn't necessarily have to go that way. Right. For me. Do you think VR is the future? 
I think it's part of the future. I don't think it's going to be the future. I think people are always going to play games with a controller in their hand. I've been saying that for years. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't think that's ever going to change. There's a tactile nature to playing video games. You know, we've been down this road. I don't know how many times we have to go down this fucking road to see that, like, it's not, it, it's, it's not going to stick, you know? Yeah. The, and the second I'd like can, people to listen. I don't want any. I mean, and it's not that I don't want VR. I just don't see it as a viable future. In terms of it's going to be the definitive thing, and that's what everybody's going to do. And you know, what I mean, like to see Sony put so much behind Morpheus can, is a concern for me that they didn't learn from the mistakes of Move. You know what I mean? Like that's the thing for me. Oculus is a different story. Oculus, you're making it for a community that is already ready. I'm pointing over at the Origin uh, desktop, ready to invest all of this money into their hobby, right? And be and think it's cool to keep up with graphics cards and drivers and all this different stuff. They're they're down for that unique experience they do every so often. Whereas I think console gamers aren't and i don't think you're gonna see that kind of support and i worry if that you're gonna see the bottom fall out again and that if the failure of morpheus will basically torpedo oculus yeah maybe i i i still think they're two different things i, I still think it's way more likely that oculus is obviously successful than morpheus but uh, i don't i don't think it's necessarily likely that either of them are, are successful commercially i think that there's gonna be a space for them both the problem is making games for them and finding financial reasons to make games for them. It's the same thing with Move. Like, it's a chicken and the egg thing where it's like Move could have been successful if people made games for them that were successful, but there were no successful games for it, so people didn't make games for it. So yeah. it's it's not that Move was necessarily a bad idea or the Wiimote was a bad, bad idea. It's just that, or Connect's a bad idea. It's just that the market's kind of speaking that they don't want this. So it's not like you couldn't have made a proof, you know, a proof game that would have really convinced you. I liked some games on, on all of those things. So. Yeah. Um, you know, we talk about sports champions a lot, for instance, which I think was a lot of fun. It was like a way better Wii Sports, like a way better Wii Sports. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I thought that that game was that game was fun. And I enjoyed it. Yeah, they made, we, they we made two fun. of them. Yeah. Um, and archery they, was dope. Yeah, it was. There was it was just something cool about playing. Like it was just the the PlayStation Move is just a way better device than the Wiimote in terms of what it could do. So it was just a, it was a deeper experience, you know. But it didn't matter. Um, so I think that with VR. You're gonna have experiences that that are going to resonate, like for me, like Eve Valkyrie or something, or like what so- the Sony London um, underwater demo that they did. It was probably like when yeah, you're in a cage. It's pretty cool, but like, how do you make this into a game? I don't know. I I don't think that it's the gameplay that matters um, in terms of VR's viability. What matters the most is are people going to find financial reasons to make compelling games on it, and that's a big thing. And um, Will you be able to convince people to buy high-end computers or PlayStation 4s to play them? Because, again, as I've said so many times, these things do not process by themselves. Like, they need big, expensive, bulky devices to play. And until you don't need those anymore, that's the that's the barrier for VR. That's it. I think that that is the barrier for VR. Once these things become powerful enough and the tech becomes cheap enough that people can go out and buy a $500 headset and that is all you need. Yeah. And maybe a controller or something like that. That's a different story. Then you are really talking about something that I think absolutely can be commercially viable, like no doubt about it. Sure, but it's, as sure. long as you have to have a two thousand dollar computer to look up Oculus to, yeah. There's no prayer. I mean, there's no prayer. That, as that long as you're selling gonna... PlayStation fours without it bundled in, yeah. And yeah. I think they will bundle Morpheus probably. But again, no. it's well, that's be, what we it, thought about Vita, and we saw how well that went. Well, the the pricing is probably the problem. It's, exactly. If you can't give value to a bundle, then it's there's no reason to really do it. I think that was the problem with Vita. Like your I think bundle would have had to been six hundred dollars. So that's like, what this will be too, though. This is the problem here. It would be more expensive than that. Yeah. Well, that's but, what I'm saying. There's just no value. Yeah. So not the price tag. I don't know. I don't know. I, I I'm a little more bullish about it than you are. I think, but I because I think that it's we've been talking. VR has been in the conversation of games as a lot of people that have played games for a long time know for many years for decades. So this isn't a new conversation. And the, and these VR devices aren't the first VR devices. Mm-hmm. It's just, these are the first that have that have taken hold and taken root and really taken root. Oculus has really taken root and it's found believers in the development community, which is very important. But the developers have to eat and they have to support their families and pay their rent or their mortgage exactly. and stuff like that. Exactly. So if you're making a game, a great game on, on Oculus and it's selling five or 10,000 copies or something like that, it's not going to cut it. And so Oculus must proliferate first. But it's the chicken and the egg problem I was talking about. Oculus will only proliferate when there's a reason for it to proliferate. Those reasons will come from software. But if there's no reason to make the software because there's no money to be made, then you're in a big trouble. That's why Facebook, you know... Facebook owns Oculus, and they have very deep pockets, and hopefully they understand that they're going to have to spend a lot of money to get these games developed and hope that it works out, you yeah. know? Um, and I'm sure they will. They're going to have to spend... I really think that they're going to have to spend a couple hundred million dollars, probably, to, like, to like get a bunch of developers on board to be like, we need 25 games for this thing. 
You Do you know? think Facebook understands the, the kind of games they need? Are they going to come in and I not would have, make uh, hardcore Oculus games? That they've spent want? a lot of money on the Oculus. I, I would hope that they understand what they're doing. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I think mm-hmm. that they do, and they have all the financial room to make mistakes. But um, yeah, I think they understand that these, this is going to be a, a huge investment and a long term investment. You must seed Oculus with good games and good experience—not even games, but just experiences travel experiences and science experiences and all these kinds of things you must see it and you must give developers reasons to make you know financial reasons game development as much as everyone not everyone but a lot of people like to argue about the expensive games and stuff and uh, you know complain about all these things it's not an altruistic pursuit these guys want to make money and they want to make lots of money and you need to give them reasons to make lots of money it's the fusion of art and business yep Developers want to be artists, but they want to have a business. Yeah, they, need to, make, they business. need to make money. This is not you're not going to find a developer, an indie developer, or a AAA developer or an A developer that is not out there to make money. That's just not the way it works. This is, you know, every, for all the complaints about capitalism in uh, in the games industry, you would think that this wasn't a industry founded completely because of the capitalist system. Do you think it's some sort of utopian fucking? <laughs> communist system that there's room to play games or have a game industry or whatever like the, the whole thing is predicated on making money on yeah. leisure you know so if but we're at that point right where like we want to be taken as an art form and that's where it gets that's where it gets dicey with and i'm with you don't get me wrong i understand the argument i'm just saying that that's where it gets dicey when you know that there are developers out there who are making games and trying to make art but then there are publishers who are trying to make money and where do those two meet and how do you get a marketing plan how much of a game do you show what do you charge da 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 yeah, I still think that I I still think it's 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 still reductive though because publishers, yes, they want to make money. They're the businesses that make money, but the developers want to make money too. Sure, the indies want to make money. They want to make lots of money, um, but they want to make money making the art they want. Exactly, make. but and then again, it is the unholy like marriage, which has been going on for hundreds, if not thousands, of years of money, patronage, and and art. Um, so yeah, it's always going to be a conundrum. That conundrum is always going to be there, but it's there with any business, right? We love what we do, but we want to make money on it. We want to continue to grow, expand, live in our homes, have enough to go out, do these different things, yeah, right? There's and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So like the, it, yeah, you, so you just have to marry those two ideals together, and they and they must. If they don't, then it's going to fail. But I I don't think Oculus is going to fail. I think it's I think it's just going to iterate and become um, another segment of the market that. You know, I think will be very appealing to both casuals and hardcore people, and I think that it'll the proof will be in the pudding, man. The problem with these devices is that you cannot show people what you're seeing until you actually put the device on. It's impossible. That's really tough. In yeah. fact, if you look at like a screen of what's being rendered on Oculus or or, or and people haven't seen it on Oculus or on Morpheus, it's just a blurry screen. Like you can't. You get the two. You yeah. get the binocular vision yeah. too on the side where you have the double image of the same thing going on. So it's just like you have to. You have to get these things in stores. You have to get these things in people's hands. You yep. have to have yep. a ground game. And it's going to be tough. It's going to be a very grassroots kind of thing. But, you know, once you play it, as I have many times now, um, I'm, t- I'm a total believer in VR. Like, yep. I, I, maybe not in the commercial viability of it. Maybe not in the practical, you know, the practical nature, the pragmatic nature of VR. But I'm certainly a believer in that technology. See, when you spell it like that, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. I think the technology is super cool. I've had super cool experiences on it. Kevin, what is the game I can't remember we played? Here in this room that we couldn't get the capture kit to work for. I want to say it was like, I'll look it up before, but it was, yeah, it was a VR game. It was like, it was survival horror and we were in underwater in the suit going around. I was like, yep, this is awesome. Like, this is totally cool. I would play this. Would I invest $3,000 to play it? No fucking way. No, but the beauty is, is that, and that's why I'm excited about Morpheus more than Oculus in a sense, in a different sense, even though I think Oculus is a more exciting device and probably a better device is because we already have a PS4. So, like, let's see what... You're already but, halfway there. But, man, the processing on PS4 is going to be really strained by this this unit. Like, I, I still think that... Um, I still think Oculus's ceiling is is almost infinite because it's it's tied to the pass- the ever-evolving processing power uh, increases of, of a computer your PC. Yeah, yeah. as opposed to a PlayStation 4, which I think is Morpheus's uh, Achilles heel. Okay. Final topic, Colin. This one comes from Scott. Sorry, Scott, that Colin did not pick you. It's because your names are with an S and everyone else came before you. I picked everything in alphabetical order. <laughs> you're, you're a human computer. Yeah, yeah. If well, you, not really. Well, uh, close enough. Uh, Scott says, any games slash genres you wish you were better at? What's, what's a weakness in your gaming repertoire that you wish you were better at, Colin? Fighting games. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely a weakness for me, too. 
I don't know that it was necessarily identified for me as a weakness until I moved here. I thought I was pretty good at fighting games. Yeah, yeah. Because um, you cleaned up with your friends back in New York. Yeah, oh my, yeah. I used to. I was, I, and I still think I'm a pretty competent like Street Fighter player, for instance. Yeah. But like, I never was introduced to this next level, like not casual or high end casual play until I came to California. And, and I remember playing Mark Ryan and, and other people and being like, I'm not good at this game at all. The way I play it doesn't make any sense. I don't explore the control. Like I play as Ken in Street Fighter, um, and I use only fierce punch and fierce kick and and. I jump a lot, which exposes me a lot, but I like doing that because you get around the screen faster and stuff yeah, like that. But yeah, yeah. like, I can't play like that and with like real people. I get fucking destroyed. Yeah, and I'm and I was so interested in you know, especially like Mark Ryan and I jam played where you know you use like the the jabs and all these kinds of things. You set up like these combos by like breaking blocks and and you know analyzing frames and exposing enemies in, in different ways or whatever or your opponents in different ways. And it's like, man, I didn't play these games like this. Um, and I played a lot of fighting games. I played a lot of fighting games. You know, I played a lot of the SNK fighting games and obviously, um, you know, Street Fighter and then a little bit of Mortal Kombat, although I think I never really liked Mortal Kombat. Um, but then, you know, Street Fighter versus X-Men or X-Men versus Street Fighter. And sure. I, I, I mean, I loved all these games and I thought I was competent at them, but I'm not. You know, <laughs> Street Fighter Alpha 3 is probably like my favorite fighting game ever. I love that game. Yeah. Um, on PS1. But so, excuse me. Some of these people just play these games that. Sure. That just and not even competitively. There's just some people that aren't in a competitive scene at all that just play at a much higher level. So right, right. For me, I mean, like the first thing that jumps to mind is first person shooters. Like I'm competent at first person shooters now. Like and, it, and I'm talking about like multiplayer, jumping in and playing something multiplayer, right? Because when Titanfall was coming up, Alfredo put me through a boot camp to get me decent, and I was decent. And when Titanfall came out, I hung in there in my month and a half of playing. I hung in there and was like usually in the mid to upper part of the rankings, right? I was doing all right for somebody who hadn't really been into it, but like. Now I'd go back for sure and get killed. It just works on a different level for the kids who have grown up with that, right? Because for us, it was like in high school playing GoldenEye, right, and Perfect Dark. And like that was like first-person shooting to me. And then in the Medal of Honor single-player games and stuff like that, but I didn't get into Halo, so I was never like playing competitive shooters that way. And so that's just a weakness I feel in my thing of like I can't talk to Bobby or another Call of Duty player, Alfredo, or even Destiny people, really, right? And when it gets down to the mechanics of shooting and like aiming on the sights and doing all those different things and knowing how to assess threats and get headshots easier and da da da. I play games and I have fun with them, right? And I, I like for Titanfall, I invest a lot of time into it to get good at it, but I'm not great at it out of the box. I wish I was better just out of the box at it, you know? Yeah, multiplayer shooters are interesting. I, I, I. I actually feel like I'm a really competent shooter player, but I don't play online, so it's like it's all based on. My experience is playing gruelingly difficult campaigns or whatever. Yeah. Um, but even I ran, you know, like we talk about World of War, like I cannot beat that game on Veteran. Like I, I, I probably could if I really, 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 really sat there, but I was losing my fucking mind. <laughs> you know, like I, I remember, like I was like, I can't. I'm like, I'm gonna actually destroy everything in this room right now because this game is impossible. Yeah. Uh, I can't believe anyone beat that game on Veteran. I, I like I. It's one of those frustrating moments where, like, I I accept that I, I didn't beat Battletoads. No one beat Battletoads. I still don't think anyone ever beat Battletoads. But like the but like when I see World at War and people have platinum, I'm like, how did you do that? Yeah. Because I think I'm pretty good at shooters, and I and I've beaten the other ones, all the other ones on veteran, and I I don't know how you did like you dealt with this game to the point where I was telling you, and I've said it before, like it, watching videos of people playing on veteran online and like how they got through it by just fucking running to like get to the next checkpoint, like just running. Yeah. Because they're monster claws, like for some reason, World of War is designed with like an infinite amount of enemies. That's how wars are fought. Like where there's just monster claws, it's like you have to trigger certain things. So like it's like you can't just sit there and like pick them off. Like I play, uh, I you know when I play um, Wolf, like Wolf Inside the New Order was a really hard game on Uber. Um, or I, I, it's even harder than that Death Incarnate or whatever it is. And especially the last boss was like fucking really hard. Um, but I beat it. But you can like be very meticulous, you know, like chip away. Yeah, like you can just chill and like there's just ways to do it. Um, but that was I remember like what you're talking about that's World of War's problem of Monster Closets was something that had been in war games forever I remember playing Medal of Honor Call of Duty whatever it was on Omaha Beach or whatever and people just fucking keep coming at you and you're sitting on the Gatling gun and they're just coming out of this black hole it's like well fucking fine I remember I'm gonna run to the next thing to like cue whatever I need to cue and that's what it was you know what I mean yeah it was like these a different design philosophy back then to keep you moving the trigger to keep you moving was the end but it wasn't overt and, that, yeah. and, and on Omaha Beach it probably makes sense but not not in typical not when I'm like you know in the, the Pacific sure sure, sure sure it doesn't sure, make any sure. fucking sense at all yeah um I think I killed every fucking person in that Japanese regiment. <laughs> you know, like five times. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So I think I'm like, I, it would be interesting because I, so, first of all, there are genres that don't take skill, right? So um, 
role-playing games don't take skill. Role-playing games are... And I love role-playing games. That's like one of my favorite it's genres. It's not a knock. You're not but knocking it's, No, so, but it's like you level your characters up and you can, you, you know, and I'm talking about traditional role-playing games, like ro- like Japanese role-playing games, turn-based role-playing games. Exactly. Yeah. Like those aren't skill-based games. So like there's, people can be good or bad at those. I don't think that that's really possible. Like if you really just find the better equipment and level your character up. Um, Western role-playing games take a little bit more skill, but still aren't skill-based. I don't think Fallout 3 is a game that takes really any skill. Again, you can just, if you know what you're doing and you find the right, armor and the right weapons and you and using especially with vats and stuff like that like, yeah, yeah. like i would think yeah for me i think be, well i wouldn't say it. i think that fallout was requires less skill than most of the jrpgs i've played oh, like yeah. persona stuff you have to know how, how to interact right what weaknesses are hit things in the right order when to block shit like that whereas fallout was freeze time shoot them i'm out of vats run and hide you know or whatever sure but i still think that the formulaic nature of like most japanese role-playing games and strategy games like tactics is just tactics takes more skill but again if you just dedicate time to, sure. like, you could just cheat the system, which, and it's not possible in a shooter, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then I think that I, I excel most at, you know, 2D platformers. So, right. um, and I think I'm, like, well above average in that genre. So, um, that's kind of, like, the, the lay of the land for me where I think my, my greatest strength is probably the old school 8-bit games and games like them um, because I just understand them on a different level, I think, than most people do. But then my weaknesses come to the fore with like fighting games, probably racing games. But I don't really give a fuck about racing games. Um, I'm not. I'm not great at them. See, and that's one of the interesting things to Scott's question. Any games genres you wish you were better at? This is gonna sound offensive, but stick with me. I wish I gave a shit about mobas. You know what I mean? I've tried. I've had Brian Albert talk to me about them. Like I always thought bringing this up is like people are always like, oh, you should play this, you should play that. I think you'd really like it if you gave it the 15 hours to get good at it or whatever. My thing is like you understand that they've already made the moba I would have dreamt up. Of they're like, here's a MOBA that's all DC Comics characters. I played that game for five hours and I was like, fuck this game. And like, not because it was bad, because I didn't understand the mechanics or what I was doing or how to work as a team. Or There's just all this stuff that I didn't understand and I didn't want to understand. And of course you're talking about Gotham City imposters. No, Gotham City's imposters, of course. A great first person shooter. I'm talking about Infinite Crisis. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, MOBAs and all that should, I, I, that is not for me. It's not this, and it's the same thing with MMOs. Like, I, I know what they are, I don't care. And that's, and that's okay. Yeah. People know, like, there's some people that are like, why would you ever play an 8-bit side-scroller? I'm like, oh, that doesn't mortally offend me, so I don't really care if you don't exactly, like it. Like, yeah. not everything is, not for everything everybody. is for everybody. So I know that those games exist. I told you I watched uh, League of Legends, um, or maybe it was Dota. I don't even know. I can't even tell the difference between the two at this point. Uh, even though they're probably radically different games. It was one of the streams when we were still at IGN that, like, Brian Albert was doing and those guys were doing. I watched it for 10 minutes. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on in this game? Yeah, yeah. And it's not, it's not like, I'm sure you can understand it, but even then I'm like, I, you have to deal with other people. And yep. it's just like everything I team. hate yeah, yeah, yeah. about video games is in those games. So I'm like, I'm so glad that they're proliferating and they're way bigger than the games I play. And I accept that. League of Legends, you know, Dota 2, these are huge fucking games, but they're not for me. You know? yeah. And that's okay. That's so, uh, to me, to you, I say, who cares? Like play well, what I'm, you want to play. This is just this question. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not going out of my way to learn to give a shit about these games right. at all. It's just, I'm just saying. Like I wish that if there was a genie here and he's like, you get this is the one thing you got to wish for. I'm like, Portillo forever. He's like, that's not a game thing. You gotta. You gotta. I'm like, all right, fine then. Make me understand and care about mobas. Oh, I didn't play them. Yeah. No. I, I mean. I. Yeah. To me, I. I wouldn't. Yeah. The the only thing that pops out to me of the thing that I would care about that I un, that I would want to understand and be good at and be able to play with other people are and ironically as you play them with other people is a fighting game. Yeah. Um but it's because I have so such a deep, deep respect for that community and such a deep, deep respect for those games and the mechanical nature of those games and how some of those games are fifteen or twenty years old and are still being played at a competitive level yeah. and are still being broken and are still being exploited and explored. Um the fighting community is extraordinary. I, I watched Evo like in depth for the first time last year, and I think I talked about this on, on one of our shows at some point, maybe on Beyond when we were still doing it. Was um, I was like, wow, this is extraordinary. This is like an extraordinary community. This is a, a uh, the passion, the 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 tent, the, the tension of these fights, and yeah, picking who's like guys that are good at two or three different characters, and so they have to pick the character that they think is going to be best against this other fighter's sensibilities and how he plays or she plays. I was like, it's it's very chess like, yeah, and that's yeah. why, and that's I and, and and as people know, I'm a huge chess fan, so I think that fighting games are the closest thing we have to chess in interactive video games. Think it moves ahead, it's awesome. Yeah, you know, like so, that's the you know, like I don't care about racing games. I don't like I'm terrible at Mario Kart when we play it, and like I don't even like Mario Kart. I don't care. You know, that's not going to change. 
but I do care about Street Fighter Five. I just don't know how to play it right, you sure, know? Sure, And I don't have the time to learn. I am not, you know, Vincent Genito, for instance, has Ooh. chops in those games. Yeah. He just understands those games. He breaks those games down. He, he's like Neo. Yeah. Like, fighting games. But here's the thing, right? He's me with fighting games the way I am with 2D platformers yep. or old school games where... I can play. I watch people play Shovel Knight. I remember playing Shovel Knight at PSX on on PS4 for the when they had it for the first time. People were like, "Wow, like you're really good at this game." I'm like, hey, I already played this game a million times. And be like, you, I was always playing this like this. I just understand how to play these games. Right, right, right. You, another person might understand how to play a shooter that way or something like that. So, I wish I had that particular talent not only for 2D platformers, not only for those kinds of games, but also for these fight these 2D fighting games because they are so systemically complicated that. Um, you really, you really can't just jump in and fuck around with them and think you're going to be good at them. You have yeah. to spend scores of hours understanding these characters, hundreds of hours, thousands of hours, and I don't have that kind of time. So Ain't no one has time for that. Um, but people make, you know, the, these evil guys make time. Yep. To understand, and I'm not talking about Smash Brothers either, because that's a very divisive game with fighting game communities. A lot of people, like Vince, don't even think that those, that's a fighting game. Yeah. Um, and I and I think I would agree in the, in the traditional sense. I think it's more fun than a fighting game. Um, but I would love to understand like fucking Blaze Blue or King of Fight, you know, like something like yep, yep, so yep, yep, nerdy, yep, yep, yep. so deep. One of these, like, um, yeah, one of these, 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 one of these Ryan Clements games. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. That's what I do, ladies and gentlemen. That's been the kind of funny games cast episode twenty. Thank you so much for watching. Remember, if you want to support us, you can. You can go to patreon.com slash kind of funny games. Support us there. Get each and every episode early each and every Friday. If you don't want to give us any money, no big deal. You can go to youtube.com slash kind of funny games. We put up each and every show topic by topic, day by day, along with a let's play for your amusement. Then on the Friday, the whole MP3 and video is posted for free for everyone on iTunes, podcast services, and YouTubes. Until next time, Tim Gettys will be back one day. We got to get ready for Kind of Funny Live. We got to do Colin and Greg Live over at twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. It's been our pleasure to serve you.